because that's what I want you to wonder. But I'm not going to tell you <laughs> right now. What I will tell you is something in here, and I'm saying this in sincerity, something really, really cool in there. Something that I admire, something that I celebrate, something I think is wonderful and good. And I promise I'll show you later. <laughs> Anybody really want to know? Is it Heather? Oh, isn't that silly? <laughs> yes, my wife is very petite. And <laughs> no, it's not, it's not my wife Heather, no. Although she is wonderful and good and so on. Oh, I know. Like, I mean, who other than Robin would think such a thing, right? Is it your lovely wife? <laughs> nice, nice. But I want to I want to move back in before we get to this uh, later on. Wouldn't it be cool if there was somebody in there, like <laughs> popping out? And not a person, not a person. But I want to talk one more Sunday, as I've suggested, on what the church can be. I don't know if you've noticed, but I love this theme. And I think it's so important for us as a church that wants to be a biblical church and a thriving church and a church that's alive in Jesus to keep coming back to this question and to the biblical teaching on it. And for a couple of Sundays, as I've suggested, we've looked at Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we have discovered that there were two foundational realities upon which the first church in Jerusalem uh, was based. Number one, these people had a direct personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And for some of them, they had seen and talked to him before he ascended to heaven, went back up to heaven to be with God the Father and sit at his right hand. For others, it was, it was uh, uh, through preaching and by the work of the Holy Spirit, of course. But they were alive, and as a result, they developed a passion for Jesus, and they understood the purpose of Jesus for their lives as, a, as individuals and as a, a community of faith. Because Jesus had told them what they were about, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize and teach. They, they, they took hold of that, and then they... Uh, had this experience of deep life-changing community that's sermon number one right if you weren't here there you go and then the the other foundational reality to this church is that they had experienced pentecost literally the coming of god into their lives by his holy spirit life transforming moment for them it changed them dramatically and in essence what this did was empower them jesus said go and you will be empowered you will receive power Right at this point, and they were empowered to change and, and to, to witness externally to the reality of what Christ had done and who he was. And all of these things, of course, took place. This was a fantastic church. I want to go to, for, for our last focus on this church, to some verses in the famous text of uh, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Generally, people, including myself, focus on the first verses, and that's their experience of community together. I want to focus on the last two verses of this text, and I want to read to you verses 46 and 47, because there's something in there that I think is just very, very cool. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, and here it is, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you leave that up there just for a little while, guys? Because there's something in there that I think is remarkable. And it's that little phrase, first of all, that, the, that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. You see that? Do you hear that? There was something going on in this church that allowed this remarkable... Uh, dynamic to emerge that as people who are, were beyond this church observed the church they were actually incredibly positive about what they saw 
They thought highly of what was going on in the church. They were positively inclined toward the dynamic that was forming among these people who had just encountered God and were beginning to live out this experience of life in Christ. Now, as we've talked about, I want to suggest to you that is very different than what is going on now in our culture. We talked a few weeks ago about the perspective of the church, of the society toward the church today, that very often people think it's boring and irrelevant, and sometimes it is, and very often, you know, people think of us as legalistic and judgmental, and unfortunately at times it is, and very often they, the, the world thinks that we're against groups of people rather than for them. Uh, the reputation isn't very positive right now. So as a result, the word that I chose to describe the attitude of the culture toward the church is that we are unappealing to them. That says it kind of nicely, right? We're unappealing and people aren't coming our way very quickly. But in Jerusalem, the complete opposite is happening in the first century church. And it basically boils down to this fact that God has, ha, was doing something remarkable in and among these people. And others came to see it and observe it, and they were highly impressed with what was going on in this church. Now, what I want to do is we unpack this today. It's a little bit different, but I want to take you to some words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Because there I would suggest to you, he gives explanation to the very thing that's going on in this instance. Um, and explaining essentially what's happening. So Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16 say this. Jesus speaking, but you are the salt of the earth. Think of that first century church. Think of us. But you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to tell you, my friends, this first century church got that right. They had not lost their saltiness. Now, think about that for a minute. What do you put salt on? Uh, my doctor tells me not to do that very much anymore, but I can't eat a steak without a little shake of salt. It just makes it taste better to me. And eggs, those are the two. I'll be honest with you. It just makes it better. It, it, it improves things. It makes things good. And this church in, 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 in uh, Jerusalem, it, was, it hadn't lost its saltiness. It was making life better. It was a good thing in that uh, circumstance. And I want to tell you, too, they were a town or a city on a hill that people could see and observe and be impressed with. And it was a light that was shining brightly. Um, there, was, there was nothing, you know, that was keeping that light from, from radiating out into the community so that people saw and heard what was going on in and through this church. And as a result, they were really impressed with what they saw. And the results were very simply that they could see the good deeds that were being done by those whose lives had been caught up by the faith, in the faith of Jesus. And, and, and they were glorifying God, if you would, in heaven. How do we know that? Because it says that every single day, because of the, just very the presence of this church, people were being added daily to their number, those who were being saved. Now think about that for a minute. 
Every single day there were people who were coming to faith in Jesus simply because they looked at this thing that God had formed. They looked at the good deeds that these people were engaged with, both internally and I'm sure externally. And they looked at this and they were favorably impressed and then they came to a place of wanting to know more and then they came to a place of believing in Christ. And I think one of the things that's just incredibly important is that we take note of the sequence of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5 and the experience of the church in Acts chapter 2. Jesus says the first thing that has to happen when people are on their journey toward faith in Jesus is that they see the good works of God's people and they become impressed with what we do. That's exactly what happened in this church in Acts chapter 2. And it's once they become positively predisposed toward the people of God, the church of Christ, which is alive in him and passionate in him and doing incredible loving things because of him, that they will then come to know Christ. I think in the church for generations, we've got it backwards. Tell them about Jesus, then they'll come to believe, and then they'll become part of us, and then they might think highly of us. No! First, we have to act in ways that impress people. They see the love of God flowing from us. Their attitudes toward us become positive. Then they become willing to hear but what we believe in. Is there a more powerful lesson for us today as the church in this culture than that? My friends, I want to tell you, the passage has a, these two passages, because one illustrates the, the, the words of Jesus, I would suggest this morning. It has a, has a ton that I would suggest God wants us to learn about. There's a word of God in this, this for us, and I think the first thing is that we have to get it right internally. The light has to shine brightly among us first. You got that? Now, honestly, that's, that's what the first two sermons in this series have really been about. It's about people, you and me, all of us together, having a dynamic and living encounter with the risen and resurrected Jesus, which produces in us, as I have said, a passion for him, an understanding of our purpose where we give ourselves to the purpose which Jesus gave to us, and where we engage in life-changing community. You see, when we encounter God in this fashion, and when we encounter the very Holy Spirit of God descending upon us, all of a sudden, we get on fire for Jesus. And I like the I like the image of a bright light burning, and I like the image of something like tongues of fire coming at Pentecost, and I like the image of us being on fire for Christ. Because, my friends, when that happens, all of a sudden, our lives change. Our community life changes. It's because of this encounter with Jesus personally, because of this encounter with the Holy Spirit of God, that these people engaged you know, and, and were changed. They, 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 they got hungry to know the Word of God. And they studied it and they learned it. They wanted to understand what God was doing in their day and what it meant to follow Jesus. And they got committed to prayer and and to encountering God in prayer and I'm sure seeing God do great things. And they got to that place where worship was a priority for them and they met daily in the temple courts. And they had hearts of incredible generosity for one another and they gave sacrificially. It was this that then in turn also allowed them to go into each other's homes, with, as we've read today, with glad and sincere hearts. They knew joy in the midst of community. See, there was something going on, and it was these very things which I'm describing to you that other people would have seen and other people would have heard about, which gave them such a positive view of this new spiritual, powerful movement of God in the world. They wouldn't have understood it as that. They just looked at it and said, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm impressed. I want to tell you, when the light 
is ablaze among us. When God is at work among us, people will hear about it. You know, when I first came to um, this area, it's a long time ago now, in the early 1990s, um, it was a little later than I suppose, more in the mid-1990s, with a church in Woodstock that was just booming. And I talked to the pastor there, and, uh, and this was, by the way, before we began to grow numerically. I think, I think we were growing a lot at the time in terms of internal fire. You know what I'm talking about? Just the things that I've spoken of. And I, and I went to the pastor. I, had, uh, I, I knew him, and I, and I just wanted to know what's causing this, this church that was full of people every single Sunday, and which he had told me every single Sunday there are new people in our church. And I thought, like, how do you do that? Like, why is that happening? So we sat down and we had a chat. I was expecting to hear about the, you know, the latest church growth technique or this new program. Or, you know, and I just said to him, what are you doing? He said, we're not doing anything. I said, what do you mean you're not doing anything? How does this happen if you're not doing anything? And he said to me essentially this, our people are simply encountering God and they love their church experience and they're telling other people about it and every single week we have new people in church. And, didn't say every single week people were coming to Christ, but people were coming to faith who hadn't known the faith before. And I think there's a principle here. And the principle simply is this, when we get it right internally in the ways that the Bible describes to us and the ways I've spoken to today, news spreads, good news spreads, and a church grows. It's that simple. Can I ask you right now, and I know I've spoken two sermons about this already, but is is the fire of Christ burning brightly in your heart? Are you ablaze for him? Are you passionate about him? Do you understand his purpose for your life? And have you given yourself to his purpose for your life? And are you engaged in community, deep, life-changing community, so much so that, that, that you're being caught up in the things of God as the people of God? You see, if this isn't a reality, nothing else will proceed. So if, if we are to be the light of the world, if we are to be a lamp uh, that, that is shining brightly for all to see, I got to tell you, It's got to start with us, each of us individually, and and us as a church corporately. And I hope and I pray for you, and I do, all of, you know, not by name, but regularly that the Holy Spirit will fall upon our church and that our hearts will be set on fire and we will be passionate for Jesus and passionate for the things of God and living our lives in community and serving Him in the way that He calls us to. Number two. We have to let this light shine. Jesus said, let your light shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We have got to let the light shine and refuse to cover it up with a bowl. I don't remember the translation that we had here, but in some it's a bowl, in others it's a basket. Think of this image. People light a light and they potentially put a bowl on top of it. Um, We have to refuse to let the light of what God is doing in us and through us Uh, be covered up so that others can't see it. Jesus says that it's possible. Jesus says that it's possible to have a lamp which is burning brightly, which is created to shine and to dispel darkness, to be covered up so that it is prevented from doing what it is created to do. See, what he's saying in really practical terms is is this, that a church can be thriving internally, but if we are intentional about it, we can keep the light from shining so that the good things that are going on here, God-inspired things, are kept from being known. Now think about this. 
Could this in any way be happening here? You know, I, I want to suggest that in our culture, it's really easy to not let others know the amazing things God is doing in our lives and in our church. It's really easy in this culture of ours. And I w- I've been trying to think of the phrase that might capture this. I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, politically incorrect, it's opposite to political correctness, or whether it's socially unacceptable uh, to go to church and to say so. I don't know what it is, but there is this subtle pressure that we keep that from being known at times. And that, that we keep it from being known that we are the people of Jesus, that I personally follow Christ with passion and purposefully. You know, we have been told, it's, it's, it's become part of the, 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 the structure of our society and the thinking of our society that you can exercise your faith in a place of worship on a Sunday morning, for example, and you can exercise your faith in the privacy of your own home, but do not bring it to the public sphere. Those are the words that are used, into the public sphere. Keep it to yourself. Keep quiet about it. Don't talk about it. You know, don't tell anybody of the, of the things that God might have done in your life in which you are passionate about. Keep it to yourself. And in a sense, somebody's trying to put a bowl on the light to keep the light from shining, to keep the light from doing what it was created to do. I want to tell you a story about both uh, how I think our church has shone brightly and about somebody who's talking about it and letting the light shine. You know, some time ago, I was thinking this morning how long ago, and I'm not even sure, but the refugee crisis struck in a powerful way a year or a year and a half ago. And as the people of Jesus, the people who have his spirit, the people who have encountered him, the people who are passionate for him and for his cause, the people who understand that we are to be a purposeful and purpose-focused church, there, there, there began to be a bit of a movement arise, and I mean that very literally from within the church, saying we have to do something. So a team was formed called Refuge, and about 20 people ultimately really gave themselves in a focused fashion to working at this. Um, we prayed about it, uh, and, and, and even as a leadership group, we endorsed this, and we said, yes, this is what God has for us. Uh, we heard the word of God on a Sunday morning or two. Remember, we talked about the biblical understanding of hospitality, where we care for the, the sojourner, the foreigner, the alien among us, those who have need, and it is the call of God for us to be loving even to people who are beyond us. All those things, and, and this church embraced this, and this church gave sacrificially and with great generosity not that long ago. And ultimately, uh, Victoria Jala and her family arrived here and became part of us, and which is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I think the church did what the church was called to do. I think the church acted the way God wants the church to act in love when it sees and perceives need beyond itself. But what I want to tell you about, as, as I'm describing how that church, this church did something that was really God-inspired and consistent with the heart of Christ and, and a, an expression of the love of God, we did a good deed, right? But what I want to tell you about is what I heard just uh, recently about uh, Victoria Jala when um, uh, she goes now, I believe, five days a week to Blossom Park uh, for English as a second language training. And uh, other, other folks are there too who have re- recently arrived in Canada or who need that training. And as part of their uh, class, I guess on an almost daily basis, they have the students speak English, of course. They have dialogue together. And very often, the focus of their discussion, their guided discussion, I understand, is their sponsors. And various people talk about their, their, their sponsoring group and, and how they've gotten to where they are and, and, and their experience. Uh, 
Well, I'm told that uh, Victoria almost daily talks about how incredibly blessed she feels to have IPC as a sponsor and how she absolutely loves being part of our church community now, which is really cool. And she even teases other people in the class by saying, you know, you have one sponsor, I have 400 of them. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Now, let me ask you this question. As Victoria tells people out there what God has done through this congregation, and this isn't to kind of pat ourselves on our back, this is just illustrating the point that I think Jesus was calling us to. Do you think people are going to have a more positive impression of the church of Christ or a less positive impression? Are they somehow going to go, oh man, that's fairly impressive. I think that church is doing a good thing. Are they going to become more favorable toward us in terms of their understanding of us and the church of Jesus or less? I want to tell you as Victoria talks about us and as she tells people about what we have done, at least some people in, in, in the hearing of her voice are going to stand back and they're going to think, you know what, that's really cool. I'm impressed with the church. I think they're doing a good thing. And they're going to become more favorable. What's the word in Acts? They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Just in that little expression alone, the light will shine as people discover the good things that we have done. And they're going to become more open to us. And maybe even in time, in the lives of those very people in that classroom, people might be added to the church because they began a journey of understanding what the church is really about and hearing about what God has inspired in us. You get this, my friends? It's the reality that we are called to something and we are doing something. And I think the fire of Christ is burning within us, but we have got to talk about it. And we have got to identify ourselves with Jesus. And we've got to share the excitement of what God is doing in and through IPC as you are part of it. Let me ask you a question. Do most people in your friendship circle or acquaintanceship circle know that you go to church? Again, the pressure is don't tell. It's not popular in many quarters to do that. And maybe even more importantly, do they know that you are a passionate and committed follower of Jesus Christ whose life is given over to the things of God, purposefully doing what Jesus calls us to do? Do they know what God is doing in this church through you? Have they heard about the exciting, life-changing things that are happening? I want to tell you there's a bowl that we can attend, uh, potentially allow to be placed over us, and it's the bowl of silence. I'm just thinking of Get Smart and the Cone of Silence. At least he could talk to one person, right? But my friends, I want to tell you, let's get the news out. And not to be self-promoting, but to let people know that God is at work in us and that God is doing incredible things through us. Number three. This might too, seem too simple for me even to mention, but Jesus said, Matthew 5, can we pop that one up? Um, let the light shine. Okay, that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. There we go. Um, let your light shine before others. Let it happen. Display it externally that they may see your good deeds, that they may see your good deeds, understand them, hear about them, and celebrate them, and then glorify your Father in heaven. Um, 
We've got to do good deeds. You go, okay, yeah, of course. That's what we're about. But I want to tell you, a lot of churches don't. And again, not to be critical of other churches. Some churches, a lot of churches are in survival mode. You know what their focus is? Keeping the doors open. <laughs> Allowing the institution to carry on. And, and as a result, they become internally focused almost by necessity. But you know what? Sometimes thriving churches can also stay so internally focused that they don't do a lot of good deeds out there. You know, sometimes church can be such a good experience internally that that becomes the focus of what we do. We just enjoy each other. <laughs> we love each other. We like being together and doing the things that we do together. So much so that that becomes essentially what the church is in its functioning. And it lacks outward expression. I want to say it's incredibly easy to stay internally oriented and to not act externally so that the world might see and experience the love of God through us. See, a healthy biblical church, let me put it like this, will become like Jesus was. A healthy biblical church, which is you know, passionate about Christ because we've encountered him, which is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we have the heart of the Lord Jesus within us, we will act like Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, of course, he went around and he preached. He was a preacher, you know, and he taught, and people loved it because he was speaking with authenticity to their relationship with God, and he was talking to them about their spiritual need, and their spiritual need was being satisfied in him, of course. That's why 5,000 men came one day to hear him speak, plus the number of women and children that were there. You might know the story. But he also fed people as he did that day, because they were hungry. And he also healed the sick. And if you read the New Testament over and over and over again, he's just doing good things in the lives of people who aren't necessarily part of his crowd. Do you see it? Jesus lived his life in such a fashion that he had this deep internal experience with his disciples of God the Father. And out of that dynamic experience of God, there was an expression of love. It just... It just overflowed into the world as he saw and he didn't matter. And he healed the eyes of the blind man and the lame man and the woman with the, who had been bleeding for like 20 years. And on and on the stories go. My, my friends, I want to tell you, that's what this church ended up doing too. We're not told up until the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 47, about a ton of external expression, but chapter 3 begins it. When Peter goes to the temple and there's a man saying, can you give me some money? He said, I don't have any money to give you, but what I have I will give you. And he prayed in the name of Jesus and the man was healed. He saw need and he acted and God's power flowed in and through that man's life. And others stood back even more, I am sure, and said, wow, look what God is doing there. So my friends, the bottom line is, I think for us to be this church, for us to take this biblical model, this example which is given to us by the inspired book, the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which intends to continue to speak into our lives about who we are called to be. We just got to give ourselves to doing good works 
do good deeds, Jesus said, so that our light will shine brightly and powerfully into this world so that people will see what we do. And what will they do ultimately? They will glorify our Father who is in heaven. They'll go, wow, what a God they have. And as illustrated in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, because of that, the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Do you see the connection? The light shining, the people of God passionate in their hearts for Jesus, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, That in itself is a powerful witness and then an expression externally of what God is doing as we serve and love people in our community. Here's what I want to do by way of actual application to this principle right now. Right now, small groups are forming in our church. You're just getting up and running again, right? We've got all kinds of small groups that we love. I have a question for for you. As you encounter one another in love, as you encounter Christ in the midst of you, as you study scripture and as you pray and as you enjoy fellowship, because I know you eat a lot together, are you going to stay internally focused? Are you going to keep that reality of what God is doing among you to yourselves? Are you going to find a way to act in such a fashion externally so that the world sees what God is doing among you? So that people will see and be impressed and they're ultimately going to glorify the Father who is in heaven. Maybe even some come into our community of faith as new believers because of what they have discovered is that which prompts the good actions which we do. So life groups, you know, uh, impact men's ministry, sisterhood women's ministry. Um, We have missional communities, which of course are by very nature out in the community. But to those groups who don't necessarily embrace that, will you consider this year acting in our community, expressing the love of God showing the the love of God in in the lives of people who have real need so much so that they might think differently about his number one and number two so that they might come to believe in Jesus as a result. I want to tell you this. Jesus said a a, a lamp is is placed in a certain location to, to bring light into a home. We read that the text today. It was created to shine a light. And he says, don't put a bowl on it. <laughs> don't keep it from, from the light from shining for all to see so that the darkness can be dispelled, so that people can see and understand what they couldn't see and understand, uh, understand before. I want to tell you, this is God's will for us. This is God's will for us. That we love as Jesus loved, that we act as he acted, that we care as he cared that we do good things so that he might use those good things to communicate his reality so that ultimately people might stand before him in faith, worshiping him. I want to finish this morning by showing you what's under the box. Anybody happy about that now? Okay, thank you, thank you. Very dynamic communication means, I can tell. This is our bowl. It's as close as we could get to the bowl. And what's underneath, very simply, is an expression of who we are. I'm just going to take some of these these pictures off here. I'll put them back on again. This This is the picture of some of our refuge team at the airport. It says, welcome to Canada, Victoria, Jala, and family. And then the name of the kids, Solo and Seiko and so forth underneath. You remember? I see Seiko there. Uh, 
man, this is an incredibly good deed that we have done. And I want to tell you, the light will shine. It's an incredible thing that has happened. Look over here. I don't know what order to do these in. Ah, you'll know this one too. Here's a picture of uh, one of our Nicaragua teams. I think it's the most recent one. Is, uh, in January, our team headed away for, David, how many? 18th year in a row of us going to Nicaragua? 18 years where we built Christian schools and now we give substantial funding to one and partial funding to another so that little kids, little kids just like your kids, loved by their parents just like you love them, they are being educated and so with the hope and the, and the plan and the purpose that they're going to somehow get out of poverty and they're being told about the Lord Jesus Christ so that with the hope and the purpose and the plan that they come to know him so that their lives are transformed in goodness. Isn't that incredible? Like sometimes I think, oh yeah, Nicaragua, we've done it 18 years. Like this is an incredible good thing that IPC is doing as we shine brightly for God. Maybe I'll keep on going just down the line. This is a picture of... Uh, of kids camp this uh, past July. Christine, how many kids do we have here? Or Nikki? 100 and 150 kids. Most of them not from our church, most of them not church. Coming in here and they have this incredible decoration and this incredible music thing happening and incredible teaching and incredible fun. And we are blessing the lives of children. And the light is shining. And kids are coming to know and trust Jesus. Okay, that's over here. Ah, this is um, what is now called Picnic by the River. This is what Joyce and Ted Gilverson and a missional community operate every Tuesday night downtown Woodstock to the people sometimes we refer to as disadvantaged. And they come together and they cook a meal together and they eat it together and then someone shares the message of Jesus and these people have learned to love one another and care for one another. It's like an amazing thing. And I want to tell you we're doing incredibly good things and the light is shining is this cool? Are you understanding the significance of this in terms of what Jesus called us to be? I, ho I hope, uh, I, you know, this isn't quite the right picture because I'm just going to go like, see this picture? This is us serving at Sakura House. <laughs> A little communication, yeah. But it's, it's you know, it, it, it is people who, you know, just normal people just going to volunteer for a, uh, at, a, at a hospice for the dying, and we just go in there and we love people with the love of Jesus. And it's not like an official program of IPC. It's just our people with the heart of Christ, who are passionate about Jesus, who are filled with his love, who want to be good to people. They go and they just love them. The light shines, right? It's amazing. And then down here, what's this? Ah, this, this is a group of people at Indwell. You know, Indwell is a ministry uh, in Woodstock, a residential ministry for people who are struggling with severe and significant mental illness. And, um, you know, we serve in various ways. One of our life groups has gone in there for some years just to love and bless people and bring them the love of Jesus and be good to them. I know Ernie Purick. Is Ernie here today? He usually is, but he, he teaches a Bible study at their request. It is a Christian organization. And our people are going in there and they're just loving and caring for people and the light is shining. I said when I began today, before I removed the quote-unquote bowl from on top of this, this is us. 
But I said, this is an incredible thing. It is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing that's happening. I want to tell you there's something going on at IPC. It's real, and it's powerful, and it's life-changing. You know what it is? It's people who have encountered the resurrected Jesus. It's people who have understood as a result of passion for him, understood the purpose of their lives corporately in him, and who are experiencing dynamic, life-changing community. It's people who have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit and who are living according <clears throat> to, the, to the will of God and empowered by him. And I just say, IPC, we, let's, let's keep shining the light of Christ into this dark world. Let's dispel the darkness, darkness. Let's never let anyone keep us from talking and sharing and displaying the love of God. Because you know what's going to happen ultimately as people see our good deeds, they're going to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Ultimately, what's going to happen, to use the words from Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> people will be positively predisposed toward us. We will discover the favor of all the people, and the Lord will add daily to our number those who are being saved. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? I'm going to say it again. Do you know the reality of Christ in your life so much so that you burn brightly for him? Are you passionate for Jesus? Again, churches don't have to function this way. People can just go through the motions. You can just come here on a Sunday morning and you can do what you do because you've always done it or you can do it because you are passionately committed to the person of Jesus and you love him with all of your heart and you've discovered that he has a purpose for your life and you are giving yourself to the purpose for which Jesus created you. Talk about putting a lamp under a bowl so that the lamp can't do what it was created to do. Don't let that be you. Discover that purpose. Hear the call of God in your life to specific ministry and give yourself to it with passion. Get caught up in Christian community because you need it in order to live this life. You need one another. We need one another. And then, my friends, know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so much so that you, you are empowered to become his witnesses, both as you are transformed internally and as you serve externally. You see the picture of the church that I'm talking about? And it's not my idea, it's from the book. <laughs> you, see the, you see the picture of the church that Acts chapter 2 provides for us? People on fire for Jesus. People passionate about him. People who are living their lives to do the things that God calls them to do. My friends, I don't know about you, I think a lot about our church. <laughs> and I think a lot about what this church might become. I want to tell you, we've become a lot already. The light is shining brightly. And this is only some of what we do. You understand that? This is only some of what we do. But you are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are, and so am I. And it's through us that people are going to see and understand and believe in the goodness and the love and ultimately the salvation of God, which has come to us in Jesus. And I say to you, live your life to that end, passionately and purposefully out of love for Christ. Let me pray. <clears throat> Lord God, what you give to us in terms of an understanding of church is nothing short of remarkable. Where we corporately can become this group of people that is so impacted by you, by our encounter with Jesus, by our being filled with the Holy Spirit, so much so that we shine brightly and powerfully into this world for you. So much so that others see it and are impressed and ultimately come to believe simply because of what we do, first of all. And then secondly, as we describe to them what we believe in the Lord Jesus himself. 
God, we pray that you will so work in us that we become that light that is no longer hidden under a bowl and that is shining brightly in this world to communicate the reality of your love. And God, we pray that we will be such a church that people look at us and observe us and ultimately end up glorifying you because they have come to faith. God, we pray together today that we might get to a place in this church where we will see people being added to our number daily, those who are being saved. We pray, our God, that every week, someday, people will be making a commitment of their lives to the Lord Jesus because of us and because of what they see in us and because of what they experience in us. God, Holy Spirit, move powerfully, we pray. Create a movement among us such as existed among these people in the, in the first century so that the world might know, so that the world might see, so that the world might be transformed in the name and in the power of the risen Christ. God, this we pray.